Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like when our partners say that we're the toxic one, relearning (laughs) ourselves after coming out, and wanting a dignified breakup. But Oh my God, that (laughs) word. (laughs) I pulled that word from the letter. So get ready for it. Wow. I know. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not licensed therapists. Yes. And we are not professionals literally in any way except for our own like actual professions. Yeah. So please take our advice. <laughs> and even that, I mean, I'm a self-employed right. poet, poet, so whatever the fuck that is. I, I mean, um, we also do get paid to do this podcast. Thank you to our, our patrons on Patreon. Um, so like, yes. we are technically professionals. We're just not. We're like, not like profession professioned. <laughs> That's not a word. <laughs> we're not. Qu- we're not qualified to do this. We haven't had any training. We haven't had any licensure. No. I can't even like you know. You know what's so funny is just last episode. I was thinking about how it's been a really long time since I've had a hard time pronouncing something. <laughs> And I just, uh, I knocked that, I knocked that right out the gate this it's, episode. It's funny. We just recorded Check. an ad before we recorded this episode and it was so bad on both of our parts. Like you would have thought that we had <laughs> forgotten how to speak. Yeah. Yeah. So love you, Big Cats, our producer, yeah. and love you to all of our listeners um, for listening to us, even though we are not accredited in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, please take our advice as you see fit. We're just here to offer our humble inarticulate musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love welcome to episode 90 fucking nine. Oh god you know? we need to really plan i know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> we're gonna do something really cool next week <laughs> listen the world is in chaos it's falling apart uh, it's hard to even know what next week is gonna hold for us yeah, you know what? Uh, this is like the poetic hippie woo woo in me. Um, I I try to catch myself from being like, oh my god, fuck 2020. This is so uh, intense, and and the wor- instead of saying the world is falling apart, I'm saying the world is uh, revealing its true potential <laughs> <laughs> for both pain and growth. You mm, know? Yeah, mm-hmm, that's. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to like keep. <laughs> Keep a positive outlook on what is a really, really overwhelming year. Um, so, it yeah. Is. Yep. You want to dive into our check-in topic? Yeah, let's get started. So our um, check-in topic today comes from a writer, a letter writer, a chronic overthinker who is writing from my twirling brain, which I think oh, is wow. like the best place to be from. I vacationed there many a time. Yeah, no, I, I just town- live there I own constantly. a townhouse there. <laughs> It's the only investment I've ever made in property. Uh, Yes. Okay. So chronic overthinker basically is like, um, broke up with my ex. Things are, you know, I feel like I'm past it, but I can't help sometimes just thinking about him. Mm. Um, And so the question is, how do you stop thinking about a past relationship? And is it okay if my ex pops into my head, even though I am completely over him? Mm. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. Sierra, does this ever happen to you? Yeah, let's talk about exes. Um, <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I want to like just say that I think 
what the, the the letter writer is talking about is a little bit different than what we think about when we think about triggering. You know, I think the letter writer is just saying about like when your mind wanders to the past, right? And to that point, I I mean, and, or to both of them, right? You you can't stop yourself from being triggered, and you can't um, you you just can't stop your brain from like going back to the past. Mm-hmm. There is no like cement barrier that you can put between your brain and that it is just your subconscious is like, there's too many things going on in the world that will remind you of, of your past that, or, or, or just even your own thought process. Right. For sure. Like it's, it, and to that point, I just want to say like, it's not your fault and nothing is wrong and you're not like preventing your healing by your brain, your subconscious turning to your ex. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, a couple of things about that is like, first of mm-hmm. all, it's not like this head and heart work that we are doing is not about like preventing us from having these thoughts or having these mm-hmm. feelings, right? Like that's never going to happen. Our brains are wired a certain way. Our bodies are wired a certain way to, to respond to and react to things. The reality is that we can, um, what the head and heart work is trying to do is get us to a point where we can respond and react in ways that we want to. So you're always like, you're always going to think about your ex. Um, And then it's awful. But then, right. But (laughs) how do you respond to that? Like, how do you respond to thinking about your ex? Does it like shut down your whole day because you're like, oh my God, I just thought of this person. And that's like, that is honestly an okay response. But how can you build up the, the ability to say like, oh, I just thought about my ex. Interesting. Let's move on. Right. Yeah. How do you, how do you relate to this? I I mean, we were talking earlier about thinking about like privately, we were talking about like thinking about your shitty abusive ex, Mm -hmm. um, in context to some things that are going on in our worlds. Um, like how do you think of him and not, and put, put distance between you and your life and that thought in a, in Mm -hmm. a safe and effective way? Yeah. I think one of the things that I mostly do is like, I literally have to remind myself that I'm safe. Um, Mm. which I think is, is one of the things that has helped me most when it comes to those like triggering things. So like for folks who don't know, there's a lot of shit going down in the Minneapolis music scene right now where people where people who have been abusive or people who have sexually assaulted people, um, are really being called out very publicly. And it is, I would say it is overwhelming the amount, the sheer amount of shit that is coming out. Um, and so watching this all unfold like i'm not a part of it but because of you and spencer i am like (laughs) watching it happen right (laughs) um has been really like has been gotten me thinking a lot about my abusive relationship with my um with my ex and thinking about the ways that people are talking about how these people treated them are the Mm. ways that my ex treated me right and so it's been hard to think like to be reminded of all of those ways in which he really um, controlled and manipulated me in ways that were not good for me. Um, right. And so like what I have to do in those moments, because it immediately sends my shoulders up to my ears, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, mm-hmm. it immediately mm-hmm. like clenches every, every muscle in my stomach. And I have to say to myself, I am safe, right? Like my body is having a visceral reaction to the danger that it thinks that it's in. And mm-hmm. I have to say, you don't need that right now. You are safe. You are okay. Um, and that really helps me to like, to relax myself, relax my body and be, and then be able to think about the things that he did and say, yes, remember this happened. We have worked through it. We are continuing to work through it. 
And also we learned from it. We are a different right. and better person because of that thing that happened. I didn't need to go through it to become a bigger and better person, but because I did, it helps me know how I want to treat people. It has helped me know how I deserve to be treated. Um, and that is like, that's where the point, the place where I have to go back to in those moments in order to like settle myself <laughs> instead mm. of just being like in a frenzy. But we were yeah. just talking about this. Like I'm still feeling like really high levels of anxiety about something that has nothing to do with me, right. but that is reminding me of the things that I went through. And I that's just, just made like, that connection when you crazy. were talking to, cause you, Sam had said like, I'm feeling anxious today and he, and he couldn't pinpoint why, but when you were talking, I was like, Oh, of course yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, you know, obviously, um, isn't that amazing that our, that our, our systems of anxiety that are put in that, that are meant to protect us like in successful and unsuccessful, successful ways react in, in such a way that you could even feel that way about a situation so removed from you. So kind of continuing on what, what you're talking about in terms of like being triggered by what's going on in the world to think of your ex. I, I also want to connect it to sort of the letter writer, uh, letter writers experience in which they feel like they feel happy, healthy, whole moved on, but they, they're wondering if their casual thoughts going back to their ex is a bad sign. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think I just want to like, in addition to unhealthy, abusive relationships, we can think of our exes, any ex at any time. Um, because like I said earlier, we, our brains, you know, we, we cannot tell our brains what to think all the time. We mm-hmm. are just too um, on autopilot for that. Uh, but like you said, it's about being able to intake that thought and give it the right amount of time and response, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so like you, you, what you were sharing with us earlier is that you have this intake of a thought reminding you of your ex and you tell yourself that you're safe and that you're not with that person anymore, that that happened, but that your life is beyond, has moved beyond it and mm-hmm. he can't hurt you anymore. Mm-hmm. Similarly, like on like a less um, harmful uh, wavelength, I sometimes find myself like reminiscing about my one good ex, my, my good true love that just didn't work out mm-hmm. um, for whatever, for a myriad of reasons, but that we don't have to get into. Um, but I look back on that relationship and that love with a lot of love and respect and the caretaker in me still finds it very painful mm-hmm. that, that we didn't work because I feel, I will feel perpetually guilty for the rest of my life for not being good to him and for, or, and for leaving him, right. For ending mm-hmm. our, our relationship, yep. um, that, that will always weigh on my heart, even as I prepare to marry my, my good, true love that I have right now, you mm-hmm. know? And so what I've taught myself conversely, like, or, or I guess like as a, as a cousin to responding to a triggering thought is how do I respond to either a bittersweet thought a nostalgic thought or just a passing thought without tapping into the nostalgia or the guilt that I feel. Mm -hmm. And, um, and honestly it involves two things. Um, one acknowledging that I, uh, that I am present right now, like acknowledging the things around me. Um, whenever I feel that sort of like, whenever the X pops into my head, I look at all um, my life has right now. And I don't just mean that in terms of all the good things in my life, but just presently in this one moment, 
I'm not with that person. I can't take back anything that happened. I can't change anything that happened. Um, and right now I need to focus on drinking more water or, <laughs> or that I have a loving partner that I'm really happy with, mm-hmm. or that I might be lonely right now, but that doesn't mean, um, I want to return to whatever was insufficient for me or, or, or whatever thought that I need to put in there that keeps me present reminds me why we broke up in the first place. Um, just a small reminder, like, mm-hmm. like you're meant to be here or, um, I can't change the past. Just like you said, like I am safe. This one little redirecting sentence mm-hmm. that puts a little bit of, um, uh, tension or not tension, like, um, a buffer between you and that thought. So the thought can't turn into something more harmful, like tr- a triggering thought or like a, um, regret or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing I do, uh, is just remind myself that it's okay to think about the past. It's funny. Right. That's like kind of an opposite thing to say, but that it's okay to <laughs> that, that that person isn't harming me or that I'm not harming myself or I'm not, I'm not doing anything active by remembering. Yeah. Right? I'm yes. not hurting yep. my life by remembering. Um, and instead I'm just access, I'm accessing this, this scope of experience that I can now learn from. And, and that's just it that, that we can't take back our past that our exes are going to pop into our lives all the time because like history and life repeats itself all the time. We will, we will be reminded of our exes, unfortunately for the rest of our lives. Right. Or fortunately. Right. Like, I think it's also like, Mm. I wouldn't want to forget everything that happened because like I said, it made me, it made me a different person. It made me who I am today. Um, and so I'm glad that I remember those things because it taught me lessons and it, and also like some of those memories are good memories, right? Like Mm. I want to be able to look back and be like, yeah, I remember that time that we went to that show and like went to dinner and it was just like, it felt like magic. It felt like it helped me fall in love with the city in a way that I hadn't before. Right. Like those are all really good things. And it's, I think what it is for me also, like, it's just like what you were saying, like you're going to remember your past for sure. But how do you do that without assigning weight to it or judgment to Mm. it? How do you say instead of like, oh, I'm thinking about my ex, does that mean that I'm still in love with him? Does that mean that I um, don't don't love my partner? Does that mean that I'm unhappy? And instead saying like, I'm thinking about my ex today, period, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. just a statement of fact or even just like, I'm thinking about my ex today. Interesting. And then like moving on, right? Because like it would be the same thing if you were like, wow, I just thought about a yellow Honda. Don't know why, but okay. <laughs> well, that yellow Honda didn't gaslight me for years. <laughs> Just kidding. No, no, I get your reference. <laughs> um, now anyway. I'm imagining you dating some sort of like talking yellow Honda that's just like yeah, well, an asshole that like always has a cigarette in his mouth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Honky the yellow a, Honda. With a cigarette in his mouth. Was the He's best really detail. into like talking about bike riding. Ugh. That's what Willa does. Willa is a cyclist. <laughs> or like the last letter writer in the whatever. Okay. Anyway, um, you're right. I think that you, you like called something out in me because I, I don't like thinking about my exes and I don't like the fact that I will do it inevitably for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that comes from a place of, um, like shame and not wanting to look at things that weren't fun. 
Mm-hmm. But even though I know that I learned and changed from all of those relationships. So instead, is there a way to think like, ah, yes, this happened and I'm grateful for it because it put me on the path that led me to the life that I'm living right now sort mm-hmm. of thing. I don't know. I'm not <laughs> sure if I can be that person today, at least. That's legit. <laughs> Just not in this moment do I think I can be like that, um, I don't know, developed in my head and artwork. <laughs> but hey, head and artwork is totally a spectrum and you ebb and flow. And maybe tomorrow I'll be, um, I will be grateful for for the thoughts that I think about my ex. And I'll be able to look at them and and, and acknowledge them and pass them by. Mm-hmm. Um which is essentially what we're saying to our letter writer that, and to everybody out there that like, it's okay if you think about your ex, um, it's just how much power um, do you delineate to those thoughts? Yeah. How much power do those thoughts have over your well being, your, your mood? Can you acknowledge them, acknowledge um, that you can't change anything that happened and let them go and be, and to be more present in your, in your present moment right now. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. That's that's real. I mean, and I think that's where we're all trying to get. But like you said, depending on the day or the hour or the <laughs> minute, right? Like, yeah, that might not be where we're at, and that's also okay too, right? Like, and both I love, of those I things love what you started okay. with the with the head and heart work idea um, that you got from your therapist. I think like it's mm-hmm. not about not having these thoughts. It's not about not thinking about your ex. It's about um, what tools and approaches can we garner over the years that make those thoughts less harmful to us mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. tldr i mean like don't think about your ex but like you're gonna think about your ex <laughs> but like don't text them <laughs> yeah don't text them though you don't need that i just needed to like lighten it up a little <laughs> all right let's get into some letters <clears throat> let's do it uh, i'm so excited for this first one because like i just need one in which i can like be angry <laughs> <laughs> I have like a I have a lot of repressed like feminine rage right now and I'm I'm ready to take it out. <laughs> That's legit. So just listen. If you hear I'm your name next today, get ready for uh, it. <laughs> all right. This next or this first letter is from Natalie, who is writing to us from Confusion. Hi, Sam and Sierra. I love your podcast and all the work that you do. I've learned so much about my own emotional intelligence. Anyways, let me get to to it. I've currently been seeing my boyfriend for a little over six months. We met on Tinder and in the beginning when we weren't official, I still had my Tinder. He had his Tinder. I was casually talking to other people and I assumed he was probably doing the same thing because it's 2020, right? We were seeing each other pretty regularly and sleeping together, but there was absolutely no conversation about expectation of exclusivity. So like a month in, he saw a message on my phone from another guy. Let's call him Tim. Cue giant blow up and yelling about how I was cheating on him. To be clear, I wasn't sleeping with Tim and I had only met him once weeks previously for a short casual date. I apologize and we continue to see each other again with no discussion about expectations or exclusivity. One night, he went through my phone while I was asleep and saw some nudes. Sometimes I take nudes because I feel hot and want to document the moment and but everyone does that, right? Question mark. Haha. Anyways, he blew up at me because I hadn't sent them to him, and that means I must be sending them to someone else. I wasn't. So cut to a few weeks later, we decided to make it official. I deleted all my apps. I blocked all the random Tinder dudes who would text me and upset him. I stopped talking to some of my guy friends because it upset him. 
He still regularly throws Tim in my face, though, and accuses me of cheating. A month ago, I actually found out he had Tinder still, and he told me that he downloaded it to, quote, make sure I wasn't on Tinder and basically blame me for his insecurities. I told him I've uh, repeatedly that throwing the past in my face and accusing me of cheating and being untrustworthy is hurtful. Yesterday, I was having a random conversation with him about windows, and he made some comment that Tim about Tim climbing out my window and how I probably have cheated. I've had it. Am I toxic? Is he toxic? Are we both just the worst? (laughs) Do I need to be trying harder to prove my trustworthiness, or is that just an issue that will probably never change and I should just break up? Even if you don't answer, thanks for reading. I'm starting to feel crazy. Appreciate all that you do, Natalie. All right, Natalie. <laughs> um, okay, number one, red flag. Going through your phone within the first month of you dating. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep, yep, yep. And this is a call out to me because I used to be a terribly insecure person who needed proof to to feed my insecurity, right? Um, plus, which, which was gr- granted, it was from being cheated on for like two years. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, if you need to go through somebody's phone to make you feel better about the stability of your relationship, you are maybe not in a good place in terms of like the safeness of your relationship. Uh, and the foundation for it to be able to thrive, meaning there is not, um, there are hopefully, depending on the partner that you're with, a more product- productive, transparent, communicative way to talk about your insecurities rather than going through their phone. That mm-hmm. being said, a bitch has gone through a phone in the past. <laughs> <laughs> I should have just left this person because I was feeling insecure, but mm-hmm. there's, and there's nothing healthy about going through a phone. Um, but I also know it sucks when you go through a phone, and you find something, but to this, to Natalie, our letter writer, this guy, what did you write on the top of this page? This guy is bad news. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to extrapolate <laughs> Sam Blackwell? Let me just call you out for your notes. <laughs> Uh, no, this dude is bad news. Sorry, Natalie. Um, I don't actually know. Whatever. I do mean to say it that bluntly. Um, also, because the window comment, the window comment is what does it for me. Yeah, no, for sure. I So, Natalie, you say at the end of this letter, like, I'm starting to feel crazy. And I want to tell you that that's because this dude is making you feel crazy. Like, it's yeah, an yeah, intentional yeah, yeah, tactic yeah, yeah. that he is using to make you feel insecure because he is feeling insecure. Um, and I like, Lem- we can... Get what? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> FaceTime recording. Yeah, um, uh, I want to just add really quickly because I I love where you're going. You said that he's intentionally doing this. He also might be unintentionally do it, doing this, but is but that's because he is unintentionally trying to control you, trying to make you feel bad. Un- uninte- he might be unintentionally putting his insecurities and his toxic behavior as a like through through you you know whether it's intentional Mm -hmm. or not it doesn't fucking matter because it's unacceptable that's right exactly so like it might we could do a lot of psychoanalysis of this dude right and say like 
well, he's probably feeling insecure. And rather than doing that and processing through that insecurity in a healthy way, he is trying to control you so that he can feel more secure. I don't fucking care. What I care about is the outcome Mm. of this, which is that Mm. this man is trying to control you and being, I'm going to say it, being abusive. This is abusive behavior. This is the beginning of things that will escalate. There is, at this point, I'm just like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. 100%. No, at this point, there is no, there is no fixing this. There is no, this is, this is toxic enough and unhealthy enough that there, that I don't even want you to sit down and have this conversation with you, with him. I want you to get the hell out of there before it gets worse. Because this behavior of policing you, of, of denying your reality, of accusing you of things that are not true is textbook abusive behavior. This is like. I want him to get the help that he needs so that he stops doing this. But I also want to get you out of the situation and keep you safe because like, this is not, this is not a good situation to be in. And I, I'm being this adamant about it because I need you to hear it explicitly so that it's not like, well, I maybe it's just cause he's yeah. hurting. Like, yeah, sure. It's because he's hurting, but like, doesn't mean that what he's doing to you is in any way acceptable. Yes. Yeah. And I think like, I think we're hesitant, uh, especially, um, people who experience this type of abusive behavior, we're so hesitant to call it abusive, right? Because we've been taught about things like sexual assault and abuse being black and white, you know, like the mm-hmm. big scary things like domestic violence, uh, uh, physical domestic violence, stranger danger. We think that they're very clearly defined when instead it is a big world of gray areas and red flags and manipulative gaslighting behaviors that manifest into you know, can you imagine how you would feel after a year of this, after three years of this, having to constantly right? prove your your worthiness, your trustworthiness, ha- having to make space for all this irrationality? And I think where Sam is coming from particularly is like, th- this shouldn't be acceptable from day one, but this mm-hmm. will ex- this will escalate. And if it doesn't yep. escalate can you handle it as is right now forever? (laughs) You know? For sure. Um, Yeah. No. And I think I, but I also think what, so what's happening in Minneapolis right now is I am watching all of these people look at this type of behavior from in retrospect, right. With, mm, with 2020 mm, hindsight and saying like, wow, I didn't realize it when this was happening, but this was completely unacceptable and, and like, and damaged I me. For I didn't call a, my homie out. Or I didn't call out so and so. Or you know, it. it I think right. Big Cats and I had a conversation in which we were talking about how, like, in in a community, there are, you know, maybe there are ten percent abusers, but then there is ninety percent of people who saw the abuse happening and and didn't say anything, right? And so mm-hmm. it's a series of actions and inactions that creates the. A, a rape culture or um, a, a toxic um, environment and yada, yada, yada. Yeah, for sure. And when you're in, speaking from myself, when you are young and in a relationship that is abusive, you don't, like, I didn't know at the time how, that the behavior was abusive. Like, I didn't know at the time what was happening to me and also what that would mean for me over the course of the next how many years ago was I dating that person? Like 10, right. 12 years. Like, 
I didn't know when I was in it that that's what it was. I was like, oh, this is weird. This is uh, this makes me feel bad. But I wasn't like putting the whole picture together. So like what I want to do for you, Natalie, is put the whole picture together and say, Mm -hmm. like, this is bad and it's not going to get better. This is bad. And nine times out of 10, this shit just gets worse. So like stop it right now. Nip it in the bud and know that you deserve more than having someone accuse you of something you didn't do. You deserve more than someone whose insecurities are, are forcing them to to tear you down with them, right? You deserve someone who isn't going to go through your phone. And and I just want you to know that like there is more out there than just this dude. And this dude needs something that is that not a relationship with them. a person. This dude needs therapy. Can you put him on the phone, please? Because like I need <laughs> I need to sit down and talk with him. Like <laughs> I told you, I told you, man, this episode. <laughs> We were in a mood before we recorded this episode, and I was like, I just need, I need something in this episode, um, and this is it. This is it. I just needed this dude to yell at. <laughs> um, but, okay, yes, everything we said is true, and I stand by, I, I co-sign what Sam said, Natalie. Um, <laughs> Sam is fanning himself. <laughs> Which means he's upset, <laughs> which means he's like high <laughs> levels of, yeah, just so you guys know. <laughs> um, okay. So, and let's just, let's just break down the fucking window comment. Um, Cause the window comment is him reminding you that he's still in control, reminding you, mm-hmm. you that you, you still quote, like hurt him and that you have something that you owe him. Right. It's such a manipulative bullshit thing. Um, And I know that it upset you because it obviously triggered you to write this letter because you said yesterday, you know, Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I just want you to know that like that kind of passive that it's just it's never okay because he's he's trying to he's trying to control you. And um, Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. it's. And now and now to the head and heart work and to the, the lovey part of the yelling session. (laughs) (laughs) um hey i know that it sucks to invest your time and emotional uh energy into somebody who doesn't respect it and and isn't worth sticking around for i know that it sucks to hear like damn um to maybe to feel like damn i waited i wasted the last six months i don't want to break up with him because uh i see a lot of potential in this relationship but again we cannot build a relationship off of potential we can't build a relationship off of um what if he learns to be better um these to sam and i are such flaming red flags that we're saying to scrap it and start over like you just don't deserve this Ever, period. Mm-hmm. You didn't deserve it the first time, right? That it happened because mm-hmm. yep. uh, if you guys wanted to have a conversation about exclusivity, it takes two to tango. It takes two people to have a conversation. And although I could easily, I could see someone being in the audience or see this dude be like, well, I just assumed it. That's not a culture of consent, right? That's not a, like silence is not a culture of consent. Silence is not a culture of adulthood or, or maturity, um, mm-hmm. uh, if we want to have, a, we have to ask for what we want, period. Right. Um, so the fact that you were still seeing people in the first month of this relationship and it hadn't been DTR, the DTR, <laughs> right. Is that, you, you hadn't, um, uh, determined. Yeah, no, I, we, yeah, we're good. Okay, cool. <laughs> we um, got it. We got it. We'll just got it. Yeah. Uh, then, then that blow up 
um, could have been that that first blow up could have been a really great growing opportunity for the two of you. I feel like if this guy was a guy that was worth um, investing in, that conversation would have looked like something like, oh, my God, I didn't know you were um, still seeing other people. And the pain that I'm feeling at right now, thinking about you seeing other people means that I really want to be exclusive with you, you know, that like, it makes me realize that you're something that I want monogamously. And, and I'd like to move forward in our relationship as such, not a, oh my God, you hurt me. You owe me so much. I'm going to continually hold this over your head for the next six months, even though we haven't been dating, you know, very long and yada, yada, yada. Like there is a way that this could have unraveled that would indicate to Sam and I a mature, healthy foundation for a relationship um, versus just like a flaming pile of red flags. For sure. Yeah. And I, but Tierra's right. Like this is hard. It's hard to like someone and then have them not to be in a place to be able to be a healthy partner. Yeah. Right. Like I think that that is really, really hard. Um, And I think honestly, I've been in situations where I have known that and chosen to still be with that person, right? Yeah. Because I liked them so much because it seemed more important for me to have access to this person than to cut them off, to let them, to to give myself the space and safety that I needed. Um, so like, I, I get it. But from your two friends who are seeing this from an outsider's perspective, um, the like that you have for him is not... Uh, outweighed or doesn't outweigh the toxic, toxic, deeply toxic behavior that he is exhibiting towards you. And Mm -hmm. I, and I say, I say that with the intensity that I mean, right? This is deeply toxic behavior. It's not just like, Ooh, this is kind of quirky and like, Ooh, maybe we can like fix it. This is like deeply embedded in his insecurities about himself. And it is coming out in a way that is so deeply toxic that I don't foresee a place where it could ever not be toxic with you. I would I want to grant him peace and say, I hope that he finds the resources that he needs in order to, to deal with some of the stuff that he's going through and then putting on to you, but you are not that person to do it with mm-hmm. him. And that sucks. That, that is just like, that is heartbreaking in so many ways, but that it is worth the heartbreak to keep yourself safe and give yourself space from this person. Mm-hmm. And and let's talk about like proving trustworthiness really quickly. Um, mm-hmm. Proving trustworthiness is absolutely a real thing that some people have to do. Uh, you 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 don't have to do it <laughs> in this situation. Like <laughs> you you've done done it. You know right? Um, yeah, right. You haven't done well. First of all, you didn't do anything wrong. Right. To, to make him question your trustworthiness. And second, and him, you have proven it. Right. So like, get out of here. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> uh, um, you can tell him to go back on Tinder. <laughs> right. Um, anyway, uh, we, of course, always don't mean to make light of your heartache, um, but we want to be, yeah, like Sam said, we're your two friends telling you, uh, you don't deserve any of this. Um, he's way overreacting. And and as Sam said, I love that he said this, that he's exhibiting some seriously toxic behaviors that can only escalate or stay the same. And think mm-hmm. about what this would feel like after six months, another six months, another year of you feeling as though you have to constantly 
it's literally mother this toxicity out of him. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, you are already questioning your reality, right? After oh what, God. six oh months of God. this, another six months of that, it's just going to be even that much harder to see reality for what it is, because this is the behavior that he is doing. He is in, I'm sorry, I won't use the word intentionally, but I think it's intentional. Oh yeah, totally. He, for whatever reason is making you question what is true in yeah. order to control you. And well, if I he th- continues to make you question that, it's going to be harder and harder to know what's real and what isn't. Yes, uh, that's it. Um, I I want to close off this letter and then I want to talk about intentionality to you really quickly because mm-hmm. whatever. So uh, Natalie, we love you so fucking much and you don't deserve this, period. You didn't deserve it in the first place. <laughs> That's the TLDR. <laughs> yeah, TLDR, red flags on fire. Get out, girl, now. <laughs> uh, uh-huh, green, absolutely. Uh, like less, uh, you know, there, there are people out there that don't, um, that don't need you to uh, mother them through their own, the, through the issues that sh- they should be dealing with in therapy, mm-hmm. essentially. Okay. It's not even mothering, though. It's like... Th- they are not actively taking out their issues on you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Totally. Well, I, I think I say that because um, not even in a gendered way in like a uh, the idea of what mothering is, is to nurture someone beyond uh, their hurt, you know, like to nurture them into mm-hmm. their own development, you know. And it just seems yep. like that this person and, and we do so that so we do that so often in relationships. Um, and. I, yeah, I should say nurture instead of mother. You don't have to nurture him into a better partner. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we yeah, just it. feel like, go ahead. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> I just feel like mothering. I don't want to like glamorize this and not that you're doing that. Like, I don't think, yeah, you're yeah, yeah. No, I get that. but like, I don't want to call it mothering because like, then it makes it seem like you are like providing help mm, or like mm. l- like offering them guidance, but l- yeah. no, it's like literally subjugating yourself to their whims like it is literally like totally i'm trying to think of them to inflict their reality on you for their own gain right there's like there's nothing beautiful about this like there's Mm, nothing like i'm so glad you said that and i'm trying to think romantic about it um even nurture does that too and and Mm -hmm. you're right that's not what i meant but those words have those connotations and words matter so like um And, and so often that same exact narrative associated with those words is what's used to justify how long we love someone or not. I think about my mm-hmm. ex who cheated on me for so long. I just thought um, that I needed to support and, and nurture him to be the man that I knew that he could be instead of being for like, sure. this is who he is. And he's his <laughs> own whole person, his yeah, whole, whole yeah. person who, you know, it's so funny. The other day I like made a joke um, about that person and I was like, well, he's another woman's problem now. And then I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That is so <laughs> fucked up of me. <laughs> like to even have that, yeah. even to make that joke, to imply that that grown mm-hmm. ass man is not his own, his own problem. His own to, damn problem. Yes, yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> So my bad to myself and to the, to the person I said that joke to, I think it was my dad. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Anyway, um, the thing I wanted to say about intentionality was just that, uh, and similarly to my mothering comment, I don't, you didn't mean this. And I just think it's like, it helps us 
thinking that abusers are always intentional helps us mm-hmm. uh, reinforce some of um, the really harmful stigmas that stop us from seeing abuse in the first place, you know, um, yep. to, to, to think that every form of abuse is someone saying, no, 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 I want to like control you and, um, and be t- terrible and ruin your life. It's, it's not always intentional. Oftentimes somebody can think that they're a really good person and just be manifesting their own trauma onto other people or whatever it is, you know? And, uh, that's why I said that about the word. However, I know that that wasn't your intent at all just to No, I know. And you're right. And I think it's, it's important to look at the outcome uh-huh. rather than the intent. Right. Uh, yeah. Cause I'm and, sure that people who literally mm-hmm. beat people do it because they love them so much. Right. Oh, like, God, you had to say that. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, all right, Natalie. Um, I'm sorry that we went so ham, but it's just because <laughs> we love you we so much. Yeah. That we, right. We care like, and, and I, we don't want you to be in this situation anymore. We want you to have, the autonomy to make decisions for yourself. And we want you to feel like you're not constantly being questioned or constantly questioning your own reality. Right. And there are people in this world that will love you in a way that is healthy in a way that affirms that reality instead of questioning it. And this guy is not that guy. So we love you. Thank you so much for writing. We're sorry we went off on you, but (laughs) know that we did it because of, because we we didn't go off on her. <laughs> That's true. We also, love if you, you want to send your your boyfriend to us, we will have a conversation with him. Yeah. Um. Yes. We. Uh, maybe Sam will. I will. I will have <laughs> yeah, a conversation. Yeah, yeah. With him. <laughs> I will like to get paid for that first. Um. Okay. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Natalie, thank you so much. We love you, y'all. As a self-employed person as a mom of a toddler i am always struggling with finding time to manage my finances at the end of a busy week the last thing i want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions i no longer use but now i use rocket money and it does all of that for me rocket money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions monitors your spending and helps you lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, you have full control over your subscriptions and a clear view of your expenses. You can see all your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, Rocket Money can help cancel it with a few taps. I love how the dashboard shows me this month's spending compared to last month. So I can clearly see my spending habits and check myself if needed. Plus, they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even help try to negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you, which I obviously love as a somewhat introverted, conflict-avoidant person. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Rocket Money has over 5 million subscribers and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash just break up. That's rocketmoney.com slash just break up. Rocketmoney.com slash just break up. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets 
sweaters, and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. Quince has things like premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. This past month, I treated myself to a pair of new slippers because I'm in that hashtag mom life era of my life um, in which (laughs) um, I am never not in slippers. And these are 100% Australian shearling lined clog slippers. And I love that they're slip on, but they have those durable rubber outsoles. They're super cushy, super comfortable, but I feel like I can run outside to like take the trash out in them while also like staying warm and active in the house. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right. Our next letter comes from Jack B, who is writing from London. Hi, Sam and Sierra. I found this podcast a few months ago after a recent breakup, and wow, it has stopped me going back to some old post-breakup habits I have been wanting to do. Thank you. I love that comment so much. I know, right? (laughs) That's all I want. I'm glad we're helpful. (laughs) I just want people to feel like, uh, you know, that they can alter their habits uh, even a little because of our podcast. Anyway. Absolutely. I'm a 28-year-old gay man, and after a series of one-after-the-other short-term relationships with guys after coming out three years ago, I feel exhausted. Mm. Since coming out, a ton of insecurities and anxieties have come to the surface during dating that I never knew were there. I have been afraid of commitment, told partners I wanted to be with them even though I wasn't sure of my feelings for them. I've sabotaged relationships with really supportive and lovely guys and chased after the ones that seem cold and elusive towards me, hoping to win their approval. Only when this does happen, realizing that they're well, cold and elusive. I panic, realize I've got myself into a false situation, a ton of anxiety comes up, ending in me self-harming, falling into a pit of depression, and ending the relationship in a desperately terrified and for my partners out of the blue manner. This has happened five times now in the last three years, enough times for me to realize that I am the common factor. I've now decided to try being single and alone for a while, which feels right, and I'm a lot less anxious in life in general when there isn't someone else to worry about. Here's the thing. Even though this is fine for now, I'm so scared that when I'm ready to date again, the same things will just keep happening. In these short relationships over the last few years, I've found myself to be a surprisingly jealous and confusing person, expecting my partner to be everything for me. And while I know logically this isn't possible, the preconception of the idea always seems to take over. Hmm. It convinces me that this person isn't enough and will hurt me, and I end it. Maybe the simple answer is that I just haven't found the right guy yet, but I also know that someone isn't just going to fix all these things about me and that it has to come from within. My coming out process, like for so many people, was quite stressful. It came at the end of a seven-year relationship with my girlfriend and best friend. The level and nature of anxiety I felt at the end of these relationships 
the past few years is exactly the same as what I felt when I was breaking up with her and coming out, a feeling that I was losing everything and that the world might implode. Mm. I've relied on relationships since I was 15 to secure my sense of self-worth and up until three years ago, probably to hide my sexuality. Now that I'm out and actually really comfortable with being gay, I thought dating might be easier. I can't even understand or comprehend the com- extremity extremity of illogical emotions that have come up for me in these relationships in the last few years. It's caught me off guard and made me wary and unsure of myself and terrified to pursue something new in the future. I guess my question is, how do I distinguish between fake and true feelings? Is my anxiety about these partners always right? Is it always trying to tell me that this person is wrong for me? Or is it just a distorted fear going back to that time of transition and coming out? Or is it just fear of being hurt? I know those questions have no clear answer, but even having your thoughts at this stage would be so helpful to me. Thank you both so much for all that you're doing. I honestly can't say how much you've already helped me just from listening to the other episodes. Jack. I fucking love this letter. (laughs) (laughs) Good. I'm glad that we picked it. Uh, I love this letter. Um, Maybe Jack, because I, I, I think I see myself a little bit in this letter. Um, And I think we'll just, we'll tackle that as that comes. But first I want to say happy pride. Um, Happy coming out to yourself three years ago. Um, it is a long journey to become yourself and guess what? You're, you're still doing it. Um, it, (laughs) you will, you will always be becoming yourself. Um, it is not something that you step in or out of. It is something that you walk through. So Mm -hmm. I just want to say that. Um, and I want to, I want to jokingly say, uh, you, in the middle of your letter, you say, maybe the simple answer is that I just haven't found the right guy yet. But I want to say the simple answer is go to therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was going to say the same thing. (laughs) And let me tell you why this is a totally different, but also like, you know, we, we aggressively told the la the, the man in the last letter to go to therapy, right. To deal, to -hmm. unpack himself. Right. So, don't conflate our <laughs> messages, but uh, what I read in your journey um, and with the wonderful things that you've you've vulnerably chose to share with us is that you say it yourself. You have used relationships to define you and to def- and to define your well your your sense of self and to mask your insecurities for a really long time, and then you. Um, like understandably you thought that when you became your more authentic self by coming out, that that sort of masking would go away, but Mm. it's not about the right person because being loved by someone else won't make you more yourself. Someone Mm -hmm. else's love doesn't make you more whole. It doesn't process childhood traumas being loved is just an additional thing that you can add to your life experience. And yes, love and relationships and partnerships can really uh, give us some amazing life experiences that help us better understand who we truly are. But being loved by someone doesn't uh, make us a more whole or healed person. It doesn't make mm-hmm. you more of yourself, period. That's right. So, um, yeah. Yeah, why I say go to therapy is because it sounds like um, you have been using the quest for love and for the quest for um, a sense of part- partnership or, or belonging, I think, 
is a good word. Mm-hmm. You've been you've been mm-hmm. using a sense of belonging, uh, finding that short term sense of belonging to avoid dealing with some of the deeper, more painful parts of life and being a human that that we often don't want to look at, like insecurities or abandonment or um, uh, self con- uh, like our own. S- uh, self-confidence or self-worth, um, our purpose, things like that. I can, I think I love this letter because for my whole entire twenties, Jack, I, um, thought my purpose on this planet was to be loved by other people. And I made it Mm. my purpose, right? Instead (laughs) of making understanding myself more deeply, my true life's purpose, Uh, and, and it left me with a lot of heartbreak. Like you, I I think I woke up at 30 years old and thought, who the fuck am I? And how have I spent (laughs) the last decade focusing on other people and asking other people to fill my needs and to make me Mm. feel like myself instead of asking myself to do that work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that that's super real. And I, I want to say Jack, that I hope that you're not listening to this and turning this into another deficit in the mm, column. I love when you bring of that yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Cause I, and Sierra obviously wasn't intending to say this and everything that Sierra just said is true. But if I were you and I was listening to this, I would say, well, here's another example of how shitty I am, which mm. is that I'm searching for this sense of belonging in other people. And I should be searching it for it in myself, like a cool, another way that I'm deficient Um, and that's not the reality. The reality is, is that you are searching for belonging in other people because that is how we are taught to search for belonging. That is like, that is how people, how people talk about what belonging is, how people talk about, um, growth, right. Is by finding it in other people and in, or in a single other person. And I want to say to you, like, I can only imagine how difficult it would be to be in a seven-year relationship with someone, know that you're living a lie, know that in order to be your authentic self, you have to hurt someone, Mm. and then finding a way out of that into trying to live more authentically. Like that, as my therapist would say to me, that is trauma, right? Like that Mm -hmm. is such a, uh, a difficult experience to have to have gone through that it's perfectly understandable and perfectly reasonable for you to be seeking validation from other people in that way, right? To say like my love, literally my love or my inability to love people fully causes them pain, right? Mm. Like that, like if you want to take like, (laughs) right, that distilled version of what happened to you as you ended this relationship of seven years and came out was, was like, you weren't able to adequately love this person and that because of that, it hurt them, right? Like, and how hard of a lesson is that to, to learn, it's a true lesson, right? Oh like God. our inability to adequately love people does hurt people, but you also can't move through life and not hurt people. You will never love anyone perfectly. You will never love anyone perfectly adequately, right? Mm-hmm. We are always learning. We are always trying. We are always trying to get to someplace, but we'll never be perfect. And so that's hard to unpack. That's a lot of stuff to go through. Um, and I appreciate you taking some time to be single. And I think that with the help of therapy and with the help of a partner that is going to be willing to like sit with you in that, you're going to be able to find a way to, to move into a relationship that is healthy for you and for the person that you're dating. And it's okay to have had these five relationships and had them all blow up, right? Like we learn 
about stuff like this by failing. Yes. We learn how to not hurt people by by hurting them, right? Yes, like, I, I, w- I was just going to our- say that. <laughs> Yeah. Right. We learn how to show up differently by showing up in one way and having it blow up in our face. Um, And that's just the reality of it. And it sucks because like it means that other people are collateral damage and are learning about ourselves. But you are doing the right thing right now by saying, like, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to figure this out on my own with the help of a therapist. Yes. Sierra and I are recommending. Yep. And figure out how I can how I can not put the weight of the hurt that I've caused people, the, the, the difficulty that was me coming out onto another person and try and find a way to fill that hurt with something else instead mm-hmm. of addressing it. And instead of healing that wound that you have gone through. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I want to echo again, I, I see my own life path so clearly paralleling this life path. Um, and you know what we, you and I, we, we never meant to hurt anybody and we never meant to have, um, to commit falsely, but we didn't know what we would be worth or, or we didn't, we didn't see a life path in which we could say, you know what, I'm not that into you. Um, I respect you and I'm going to communicate my, my respectful disinterest now in, instead of faking it. Mm-hmm. Like I, 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 Similarly to what Sam said about the trauma of not coming out for that long or, or feeling like you're hurting someone, um, I needed to, to learn um, in my long-term good, good true love that I, that I needed to hurt someone in order to be my authentic, happy, healthy self. And that, mm-hmm. is, that is also something that I learned through a very slow, painful process of of saying yes to people when I wanted to say no by pursuing relationships yep. with people that I just wasn't that into because I, I didn't know how to um, listen to my authentic desires, um, validate my authentic boundaries. Um, I didn't know that I was a worthwhile person um, who deserved to have those boundaries. Like I didn't know you could be worthwhile and say no to people at the same time. Um I know. Isn't that crazy? Oh my God. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm glad that you focused on the coming out and, and the pressure of the, that seven year relationship, because I know that I, like I said, at the fucking intro of this episode, talking about thinking about my ex, I still engaged to be married in the happiest relationship of my life and healthiest. I should say that's more important. <laughs> um, uh, I still look back on that long relationship that good true love that i couldn't that tldr basically we weren't physically compatible because he was a man right um or or whatever reason because you know but i still feel guilt that i had to hurt someone in order to be my authentic self and that's something that i have processed and am still processing or should process in therapy accountability for moment sure. for me lately. I've been like, I got to go back to therapy and I have not made that a priority yet. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <sighs> absolutely. And I also think, no, I just think about like that seven years that were, you were with a woman too, just thinking like what you learned from relationships was how to fake it. Right. <laughs> like, like that is, the extent of your, mm-hmm. your knowledge and experience in relationships is I'm sure that you love this person who is your best friend and that's fantastic, 
but you were still living a lie. You were, you were faking something about yourself in order to maintain the relationship. Yeah. Let me, let me jump on that. Not living a lie. You were living the level of authenticity that you thought was safe to show up for. Cause I don't want to say that you like wasted that love or that, you know what I mean? Like I, and who knows, maybe Jack relates to the phrase living a lie and I'm just being oversensitive. But, um, like when I was in that relationship that I was referencing before, I was just doing the best that I could at that moment. I was being my most authentic self at that moment. And then I realized that I deserve more. And so did he basically. Mm. Sorry to Mm -hmm. interrupt you. Continue. No, I was just saying that like, um, so it makes sense that what you're struggling with in relationships now is like not being able to show up authentically, right. Is not being able to, or is like accepting something that you don't really want because you don't want to hurt the person, right? Like that's a learned behavior from the years that you were in a relationship where you were accepting something that you didn't necessarily want because you didn't want to hurt someone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so oh I would God, say like, that is so real. This is, this is something that therapy can help you. And I want to say it to you, not in a way of saying like, wow, this is a repeat behavior. You should be better. But instead saying like, what else are you supposed to do if this is what you've learned, like mm-hmm. if this is what you've learned to be in relationship, it's not your fault. It's just that you haven't been able to find the tools and resources to help you show up differently. And you are doing that now, which I think is what is so wonderful. And would I want to like big you up for the fact that you're taking some time saying like, I'm not showing up in these relationships the way that I want to be. And so I'm going to spend some time figuring out what is motivating me. What do I actually want? And how can I show up in a way that, that, um, asks for what I want and what I need instead of pretending like I want something that is offered to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say one piece of tough love um, uh, that I needed to hear was that these behaviors literally do not change unless I put actual physical action behind them. And mm-hmm. we can talk about, we can talk about the, the, the holistic um sources of them you know we can we can talk about why you and i stayed in relationships that unfulfilled us for so long we can talk about our fear of conflict we can talk about our fear of dis uh disappointing people our you know and i'm using our i'm assuming but you know i always felt like i had i didn't have a strong inner compass and that would always manifest in really unhealthy ways yada yada um but I could, I can talk about that all day long, but none of that will change, particularly in my relationships, um, if I don't put actual uncomfortable action behind it. And that means mm. having uncomfortable, vulnerable conversations. That means messing up and trying again. That means um, uh, being able to say words that you might be afraid to say, like, um, I respect you, but I'm not interested in dating you. You know, um, mm-hmm. it, it has to, you have to, I had to feel like I was worthy enough to listen to. And then I had to, to, to listen and do the actions that I was calling for, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I know we didn't answer like half of the questions at the end of the letter, <laughs> but I think that this, this is an umbrella conversation that covers a lot about, um, about that transition time of coming out and the fear of getting hurt and, and, and navigating all of, all of life's um, complexity when it comes to, to dating and, and becoming ourselves. Right. That's why humans are so hard. Like this is, this is literally why humans 
why dating is so hard is because while we are trying to be vulnerable and intimate and communicative and trustworthy and uh, fun and, and sexually exciting and, and all these things to our partners, we're also becoming ourselves uh, Mm -hmm. in, in a, in a, in whatever pace we are allowing. And I think for me, I distracted my becoming with, um, with other people for a long time. Absolutely. I think that's real. I think a lot of us do that. Yeah. Cause that's where we're told our, our worth comfort is, is going to come mm-hmm. from. Yep. Mm-hmm. Is from other people. Absolutely. Okay, Jack, we love you so much. Um, we believe in your journey. Happy fucking pride. We're so proud of you for, for, um, becoming yourself and continuing down this long journey. Uh, we hope this helps. We love you. All right. This last letter is from Anonymous Anon, who is writing to us from The Void. Dear Sam and Sierra, my partner, he, him, 27, broke up with me a few days before lockdown started, and I made the spur of the moment decision to temporarily move back to my home country during the pandemic. Moving home was a whirlwind. Quarantine, the breakup, moving back in with my family, and the global, global demise that COVID, uh, that is COVID spiraled me into a depression. Therapy, journaling, good friends, and really important, this podcast, aw, <laughs> have helped me make sense of the snap displacement out of my relationship, my city, and life as I know it. We were together for almost two years, and we're planning to move together in together the following year. We fell hard for each other, but took it slow, spending only an, a few nights a week together and making sure we had full lives apart. Things weren't always perfect, but we worked through every challenge together, and while we were very different, prioritized communicating our feelings. We went on vacation together, visited our families, and he saw me through so many challenging times when I was far away from home. I had so much faith in him and our ability to work through obstacles that came our way. About a month before quarantining, he started acting more distant, quote, forgetting things, not being present with me, and stopping being physically affectionate. I found myself telling him I loved him just to hear it back. I brought up these changes a few times, telling him I felt we weren't connecting as much, and I was concerned. He told me that he was feeling stressed with work, but assured me that, of course, he was still invested in this relationship and had invited me on vacation with his family. I felt like I was going crazy, that my anxiety had obviously given me some trust issues. Why else couldn't I trust someone who had never given me any reason to distrust him? I signed up for counseling and tried to hold it in uh, and fix my insecurities and to not let them ruin our relationship. Two weeks later, he told me that he couldn't be in a relationship with me anymore and that he didn't know why, but that continuing it would be pretending. Ouch. He told me that he would call me in a few weeks so he could give me some more answers once he had some space. The pandemic was shortly announced after and I came home. He never did get in touch. A month after I contacted him, but I got a mental gymnastics mess of, quote, I thought it would be more fair for you if I waited for you to call me and, quote, I'm sorry you feel like this was out of the blue. The best he could tell me was that we, quote, weren't addressing serious issues in our relationship, but didn't elaborate on what those were. Side note, I know he has not seen anyone else, so that isn't the reason. He admitted not being fully honest with himself about his feelings. This conversation was awful. It was so painful watching a man I loved disintegrate into a teenager, rationalizing his bad behavior and being too walled off to reflect. 
It's been a few months to myself now, and with the pandemic slowing down, it's time for me to return to the city we've lived together in together and rebuild. The time alone has been useful in terms of my head and heart work. I've come to terms with the facts that he just wasn't ready for a relationship with the kind of honest communication that we had. I believe he either f- fell out of love with me or got scared about our future and put up walls so he would fall out of love with me. I know in my heart that any problem can be solved with enough communication, but also that every problem is too big without it. Grief is a bitch, but I am processing through it and most of my anger has faded. But our city, which has become my home and I love, love it, is small and we have lots of mutual friends. We will run into each other and we have stuff, actual important stuff to exchange. It would be useful not to be friends, but at least friendly. But the truth is, the thought of seeing him makes me so deeply angry. I feel like he betrayed our promise to be honest with each other. I feel like he let this feeling bottle up inside him until it was past the point of no return and we never even had a shot at working on it together. He blindsided me. Breakups always suck, but this one felt so undignified. I am very honest and forthcoming about my feelings and his willingness to consume them but not share back means that there is a major imbalance in terms of who knows what he knows all the reasons this didn't work between us and has shared none of them with me. The slow secret detangling himself of our life while lying to my face about it, even if he was lying to himself about it as well is one of the most painful breaches of trust. I can imagine the thought of running into him makes me want to cry and vomit at the same time. So my questions are, How much of this pain is real and how much of it is just my ego being bruised? Is my anxiety building up to be so much worse than it needs to be? How do I hold my head up high when I feel humiliated and lied to by someone I trusted so deeply? How do I give myself closure without the sincere apology I've been craving? How do I be around him with the thought of seeing him when the thought of seeing him makes me so angry? I can't be cheerful and stupid. Should I exchange our stuff and get the first awkward encounter out of the way? Or should I have a friend do it and then live with the fear that I may run into him at some point? Thank you so much for all your hard work. You mean more to me than you know. All right, Anonymous Anon, thank you so much for writing. And I'm really sorry that this happened. Breakups Mm -hmm. do suck. And they are are rarely, rarely dignified. Do you think you've ever had a dignified breakup? Um, let's see. The one where we broke up in the bar while arguing about voter ID? Um, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> I looked up, I just Googled dignified because I wanted to like have the working definition. It's having or showing a composed or serious manner that is worthy of respect. Mm, interesting. <laughs> I know. I love words. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, here's here's the fucking hard, hard, painful, spiked pill to swallow. I'm. I think it's possible for one person to feel dignified in a breakup, and the other one to feel totally stripped of their dignity. You know, a hundred percent. Because. Yep. Again, if if we have mismatching realities or mismatching desires and one person communicates uh, something that doesn't align with the other person's, like the the other person is going to inherently feel as though or it will often feel as though they've been um, 
not respected because of the breach of that their understanding of reality. Don't get me wrong, Anonymous Anon. I am not um, all of your, you know, to answer your very first question, which is um, how much of this pain is real and how much of it is just my ego being bruised. I think it's very mature of you to be like, is it my ego being bruised? Like, am I over, am I giving too much weight to this? But first and foremost, all of your pain is real. Period. 100%. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, it is so painful to feel safe with someone and have that safety be breached in any way. It is just, uh, that is just one of the sickest, most painful parts of the human experience that people mm-hmm. are not safe. You know, Pe- people we love are not safe, that we can be unsafe, that we can, we can perpetrate this, this breach of trust too. And that, that kind of hearkening back to Jack's letter, that that is kind of part of the human experience. That is a part of human relationships even, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think it is really painful to um, have someone break up with you. And then, honestly, I think what is happening is, like, he's trying to be the emotionally mature one, um, which just, like, makes you feel like you somehow are emotionally immature, Mm -hmm. which is, like, not actually the case, right? Like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think I don't know this person I would like to think that that her intentions are good um, and that he is like trying to save you some of the, the reality of having these like hashed out conversations. Right. Cause he, he knows you're not going to change his mind. Um, but I can totally, I can totally understand what it feels like to have the person that you are being emotionally hurt by try and be the better person and try and be like dignified and like above all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and have been in relationships and breakups where that's happened, where the person's like, oh, I'm going to be kind to you by not showing you any feelings. And it's like, no, that's not what I want. Though. <laughs> what I want is for you to like, give me an explanation and to like show some feelings and like how upset mm-hmm. you are about this and not like, just be like, this is the way that it is. Like, I totally understand how annoying and like how that makes you question your own reality and whether or not you are blowing everything out of proportion. I think you painted that in such an accurate way because, and I'm so glad you articulated it like that, that he is, he is probably trying to spare you and him something, but also spare you um, because he, he probably doesn't want to tell you what you want to hear one way or another, whether you're owed it or not, we could debate, but um, I'm not trying to, because, Go ahead. Yeah. No. And cause I, um, I think he can't tell you what you want to hear, right? Like you can't, I think that that might, that might be the issue. Like, honestly, like big picture, we're going to talk about this, but like holistically, he can't give you what he can't tell you what you want to hear period. Yeah. But also like in this moment, he can't tell you what he want, what you want to hear. And honestly, if I were in this, like if I were in this situation, I think that's how I would break up with someone. Right. I would also be the type of person to be like, I'm going to close this off because any emotional vulnerability I show to you is going to be, is going to be an indication that somehow we are still emotionally connected Mm. when we're not, when we are broken up. Right. And I would for sure do that. And it's like a dick thing to do, but it's also like, how do you not be a dick in a breakup? (laughs) Yeah, that's so hard. And honestly, anonymous, like I hate that we're humanizing him from that point of view, but unfortunately that is part of, 
that's a part of Sam and I's like commitment to this podcast. Um, but also, <laughs> also hopefully that helps unpack some of the, the extreme pain that this is causing you that, that you two are moving throughout the world in the, in the way, in the, in the best that you can, like in the best way that you mm. can right now. And he's responding mm-hmm. with his best and his best is inadequate to you. His best leaves you feeling um, angry, abu- like uh, taking advantage of um, undignified, unrespected. Um, and that's, and that, I mean, is ultimately what Sam and I want to focus on because it just sucks, but we don't, mm-hmm. we can't heal that pain without having some accountability to it, I think is what I'm trying to say. Um, mm. I, unfortunately, we've talked about this a lot, like uh, going to your question about um, how do I hold my head up high when I feel humiliated and lied to by someone I deeply trusted? Um, this comes to an understanding that when we... When we feel, um, actually, let me break it down this way. Um, the other day, uh, I said to Willow, um, I feel so stupid because I got my hopes up about something that might not happen, something important to me that might not happen. Um, and, uh, she was like, well, why do you feel so, why do you feel stupid? Like, where's stupid coming from? And we sat and Mm -hmm. we like unpacked it. And I realized that whatever it is about my understanding of reality, I internalize things as though I, uh, I did something wrong, no matter what the circumstances like. Um, and she, she kindly and lovingly pointed out like how bizarrely abusive it was to myself to, to think that I would be stupid for having um, my hopes up for something that may not happen because of situations out of my control. Similarly, it is okay to feel hurt um, and frustrated and betrayed by someone um, who, who hurt you, right? That's okay. But to feel humiliated um, implies that you feel as though you did something wrong to deserve Mm -hmm. this, you know? And so I think it starts with unpacking the understanding that you didn't do anything wrong. You didn't do anything to deserve this. This is unfortunately just part of the package of being in relationship with the people is that we are in, when you're in relationship with someone, you are in a nonverbal or sometimes verbal contract in which you think that you, that you two are going to move through this world and, and hopefully not hurt each other and hopefully stay honest and hopefully meet each other where, the, where you're at and give each other each other's needs, right? How often does that happen? Very unoften. <laughs> That's not a word, but like, you know, like so many... So many relationships do not fulfill the the nonverbal contract that they go into. But does that mm. mean um, you did something wrong? Does that mean you're unworthy? Does that mean you should be embarrassed or humiliated? Absolutely not. You are a human in this very human experience. Um, yeah. So just touching on that humiliation point. No, I think that that's such a good point. Um, <clears throat> because you're right. There's there's nothing to feel humiliated about. Um And I think what is interesting about the way that you're approaching this also anonymous is like, not only do you feel humiliated, but you also feel the need to not feel humiliated. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. And I just think that that, um, that that's a lot of burden that you're putting on yourself in this moment is to like, 
feel humiliated and also feel like you need to not feel that way. Yeah, don't get um, me wrong. It wouldn't cr- I use the word humiliated every time I have a breakup. I uh, l- The last time I had a <laughs> breakup, so, yeah, I just right? said, I am humiliated that I said the last <laughs> few years and you, you know, like... <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's real. Um, and so I guess what I'm saying is like, I'm encouraging you to to feel humiliated. If that's the feeling that you're feeling, go for it. If you are feeling the pain of your ego being bruised, that's a legitimate pain to feel. Mm. Um, and I don't want you to question whether or not you're entitled to feel like this person betrayed you. You're, if you're entitled to feel like they, they bruised your ego or, or caused you pain, you're absolutely entitled to feel that way. And you don't have to say, I'm not, I'm not allowed to do that. Or I shouldn't be feeling that way. All of these things are such normal feelings to be having in the midst of this breakup. And I think if you can get to a point where you can normalize those feelings and say like, yeah, this all makes sense. This is all real. This is all a very normal personal reaction to what has happened to me. It will make it easier for you to not have to have him explain his actions to you. Yeah, I I totally I'm so glad you connected to that because I think that. The other thing I was going to say is we in breakups, we need to or in any type of like painful transition, we need to get to a point where we validate our own experience, our own feelings mm-hmm. to the point to to the point where they are validated without the actions or verbal acknowledgement of someone else. Meaning even yep. if he says, I'm sorry, I didn't communicate to you. I fell out of love with you. Even if he doesn't give you the apology that you're looking for TLDR, he won't um, <laughs> that you're able to say, wow, I really, I didn't deserve to be left like that. And I deserve a relationship in which someone communicates their issues to me um, that they meet mm-hmm. me where they're at and that they don't um, break up with me that way. Don't you know what I mean? Um, yep. I don't fault him for that breakup because I just understand that like people are inherently sucky <laughs> and that like, <laughs> and that like we are constantly inadequate and I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to um, turn him into a, a monster or a saint. I'm just trying to acknowledge that I don't, I care more about your ability to un to to heal and to move forward without uh, looking to him for things you're never going to get. You know, mm-hmm. for sure, absolutely. You don't need him to apologize. You don't need him to acknowledge the hurt that he's caused in order for that hurt hurt to be valid or justified, right? Yeah. You don't need him to apologize to say you're right. I did a bad thing for you to know that he did a bad thing, right? The way, the only thing that you have control over in this moment is how you are responding to what is in front of you, how you are responding to the pain that you're feeling. You cannot get him to respond to the pain that he caused you in the way you want him to respond. Yeah. And I, and I don't mean that in a way that like, he's an asshole. I mean that in a way of like, he's not gonna, he's He's going through his own pain right now. He's like, he is going through his own shit. (laughs) <laughs> like right. breakups are hard on both sides. Yeah. I know you probably or like, I know that when I have broken up with people or been broken up with, I imagine that they're like sipping my ties by the pool while oh God, I'm like girl. in have, bed I with ice cream. And it's said, like, have you even <laughs> cried? Like that's how fucking igni- <laughs> indignant uh, and like uh, pain, pain centered. I was in my own breakup. I was like, I needed to hear that the other person cried as though 
that would validate my pain anymore or like as though that would give me right? any relief you know it didn't Mm-mm. just so you know um yeah <laughs> no because then he was like of course i've cried yeah. and then you're like fuck you you don't get to cry exactly Ex- <laughs> word per word literally you could be <laughs> He's like, of course I cried. And I was like, well, good. You don't <laughs> stop. And you know what? Like, that's how it went. <laughs> no, exactly. Uh, um, anyway, uh, and then, go ahead. Go, go, go. No, I was just going to say, so then your other question of like, what do you do when you run into him and you can't be cheerful and stupid? And the answer is, Fucking leave. you don't be cheerful and stupid, yeah. right? Like, I think... What I think we're like trying to get at with this is that like, it just feels like you need have this need to be like, like I said, dignified or like that you need to be this better person who moves through their pain and doesn't let it show and doesn't let it affect you. But the reality is, is like all of your pain is real. And if you can't be in the same room with him for a while, that's okay. It's not dramatic. It's not self-important. It's just the, a reaction to the pain and the hurt that you are going through right now. It may get to a point where it's easier to do, to be in the room with him. But right now, if you're like, fuck this, I don't want to be around him. You don't have to be. You yeah. don't have to be cheerful and stupid. Cheerful and stupid is a tool that we use for people who we have to be yep. around and who have not caused us significant amounts of harm or are doing things that are passive aggressive or are being mean to us in ways that are that they're not acknowledging it doesn't necessarily apply to someone who just ripped your fucking heart out. (laughs) Right. Like (laughs) we we want you to be cheerful and go fuck yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Just kidding. Uh, It's a good time. Honestly, if that's what you need to do. Yeah. It's a good time to bring back the key, your car joke to make Sam even more anxious. (laughs) No, do not key his car. Um, uh yeah i want to i want to touch on one more thing um that is like a little bit separate from anonymous's question but also from their letter uh anonymous said i know in my heart that any problem can be solved with enough communication but also every problem is too big without it so i just want to pull that out because i think that's like an interesting thing that we've never tackled in such a direct way and this is an accountability moment to folks like me who are chronic over communicators and who have an anxious attachment style and need to talk things out to feel any semblance of growth and clarity and and healing and stuff like that um connecting this to the second letter too i realized that my anxious attachment style my need to like communicate something meant that my understanding of a situation and my ability to move beyond it was solely connected to somebody else's experiences of it. Like that I could, I couldn't process an experience. Like I couldn't process something by myself in my own head. I needed to communicate Mm -hmm. it out loud. You know, an example of that is being dumped by somebody who cheated on me two years. Like I couldn't just walk away and be like, wow, that is fucking the audacity. I deserve way better. (laughs) Instead, I was like, I need to talk to him and tell him about how all the ways this is awful. And I didn't feel any sense of closure without that, that level of communication. And then that Mm -hmm. really made me have to sit and think like, dang, what is my relationship to other people um, in, in regards to my own understanding and why do I need other people to process things through? Like, mm. um, I've always been like, I just need to like talk things through, but really I just think I like, I, I don't validate myself enough alone. Um, 
you know, it, does that all make sense? Mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, I agree. And I, th- yeah, go ahead. But I, I think that there's nothing wrong with like, with having like trying to figure something out in partnership mm-hmm. with a person, but trying to figure out a thing in partnership with the person that has caused the thing that is hurting you mm-hmm. <laughs> isn't actually like, isn't actually that helpful. Like yes. you and me talking about what happened to you with this dude right. was good for both of us, right. right? It helped us figure out all that. It helped me understand all that you had been through. It helped you understand like a outsider's perspective of it, but trying to seek the validation of the person that has hurt you in order to justify the hurt. Like that's when we get into yep. issues of like, why are you questioning your own reality around yeah. whether or not this person hurt you? Like, obviously yeah. they did. You're crying about it. Yeah. And, um, I think it's just like the curse of the human heart to want to soothe our pain, um, from the thing that hurt us. That, that'll just yeah. forever be what we go to, no matter how, how much fucking head and heart work we do. I will always, you know, in breakups, I will always have to talk to fucking Sam and tell him to block <laughs> these people for me because my heart will always want to go back. Um, but luckily uh-huh. with like time and, um, and hindsight, I can say nothing I ever got from those conversation healed me more than spending time by myself, validating my own, own experiences, um, mm-hmm. uh, enriching my own life. Nothing they gave me ever healed me more than I did. Um, and I think, Absolutely. and I think that's yep. what we probably want to leave you with anonymous. Um, we're deeply sorry that this happened. We, um, this sucks. Breakups fucking suck and they're never dignified. Um, and, Mm-mm. and to feel betrayed in the way that you've articulated that you were betrayed is, um, a common, albeit still just, gutting experience to to go into that social contract and have all of the rules broken and denied to you so we're really sorry and um we hope this helps we do thank you so much for writing we love you we love you so all right that brings us to the blind dig Dagment blind date segment of this show in which we shout out something that we think is awesome and we want to set you up with this week we're sending you home with an episode of a podcast called Throughline, uh, and the episode is called American Police. Uh, so Throughline is a podcast that's hosted by NPR where they take um, a big issue that's been in the news recently and trace it back uh, to, to discover the through line of sort of how we got to this moment. Mm. Um, and this episode is about the American policing system. Um, and I listened to it recently, and, um, you know, I had learned a lot about the prison industrial complex, right? I had read the new Jim Crow and um, slavery by another name and sort of understood and watched 13th also, which Sierra recommended Mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago as well. um, And sort of understood the way that the prison industrial complex is basically just slavery renamed, Mm -hmm. um, but hadn't had the opportunity to really understand the, um, the history of policing in America um, and what is great about the podcast is that they do talk about the history of policing in the South, which was basically um, groups of people, many of whom were, uh, well, groups of people who went to find um, folks who were enslaved and had escaped and bring them back to their enslavers. Um, and then after that, were basically an out uh, a part of the Ku Klux Klan um, after, sla- after the Civil War ended. 
but also just understanding the the role of policing in the North too. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And just the way in which policing has been used as a way to um, create and enforce um, hierarchies of race. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is inclusive of sort of, uh, you know, white Anglo-Saxon people using the police to police neighborhoods of um, folks who are Irish or folks who are Italian, but also at the end of the day, using the police to, uh, to enforce rules upon folks of color as well. Um, and just having them spell that out for me in such a clear through line um, was really uh, important for me. And yeah. I am so appreciative of it and would love for folks to be able to give that a listen and understand that when we talk about the police and when we talk about dismantling the systems of policing that exist in our country, we are talking about dismantling a system that is rooted in racism, that mm-hmm. is rooted in the enforcement of social hierarchies based on race, um, and that we need to figure out different ways to make sure that people are safe that aren't based in what has been hundreds and hundreds of years of intentional uh racism right yeah totally uh no good so check that out it's go ahead i was just gonna wrap it up yeah go. no i want <laughs> i want you to <laughs> okay okay great so check that out it's a podcast called through line and the episode is american policing awesome all right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Breakup Pod. You can slide into our DM, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakupPod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise. Please leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. And please consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you will get an additional weekly bonus episode. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally helps keep the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music, recording, editing, and producing by our good friend, Big Cats. Make sure to check out his podcast, the What If Podcast. And remember, right now, in this moment, you are in the everlasting process of becoming yourself. And even when you don't feel like it, you have power. You have freedom to create the life you desire and deserve. It starts with choices It starts with actions. It starts with boundaries. And you can choose to do any and all of these things at any moment. You can choose to be kind to yourself and love yourself unconditionally. And if all else fails, just break up. 